Hello friends, how's it going? My name's Matt Barr and you listen to the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast. It's the show where I try and cover the most interesting stories in action sports and other related endeavours. And this is the latest in an irregular series of bonus episodes of the Looking Sideways Podcast. No fuss, no fanfare, just a non-traditional episode banged out every now and again when the opportunity comes up. And this episode you're about to listen to is the full live chat that I hosted for my friends at DB in Hossegor in June with Sage Kotzenberg, Christopher Funk, Kepa Acero and Tim Myers. Um, now, of course, I've already released individual episodes with each of these guests, but I did really enjoy this conversation the live one that is and it went really well it's always a bit of a challenge hosting and stewarding a live interview like this especially with four guests and as on this occasion the temperature being in the high 30s but I think it's an interesting addendum to the four main interviews proper which is why I've decided to release it as a standalone episode Um, if you've listened to the other four episodes with uh, Krista, Kappa, Tim and Sage this is probably a bit of an interesting insight into the way I approach the whole interviewing business really because I kind of used this four-way live thing as source material for the other ones um, which you might be out of spot if you closely listen anyway that's it enjoy this special bonus episode let me know what you think I'll be back at the end nice one like to say welcome to the Wasted Talent and DB pop-up. We're here to do a little uh, Looking Sideways Live. Matt is the host of Looking Sideways. Uh, We brought out some of our ambassadors from all around the world. Uh, Matt is going to host a little uh, conversation around creativity in the outdoors. Uh, And maintenant je essaye en français. Alex, how's my French? Good. Uh, Killing it. Notre ami uh, Matt, il a uh, un podcast que s'appelle uh, Looking Sideways. Il fait un peu de questions avec uh, notre ambassadeur et athlètes uh, au tout le monde. Oui, ça va? Ça va bien. Okay, merci. Matt, over to you. Wow. That's how you do it. How do you follow that? Amazing. Um, yeah, hello. I'm Matt. Um, I present a podcast called Looking Sideways. Um, the DB guys have kindly asked me to come and host this uh, interview tonight. So we've got four guests. Uh, we've got Sage over here. Come and have a seat, Sage. Um, Olympic gold medal winning snowboarder. Um, Jackson Hole natural selection winner this year. Legend, basically. We've got Kepa, Kepa Acero. Uh, one of surfing's legendary travelers and a one of surfing's legends, I would say. Um, good to see you, Kappa. Um, we've got Krista Funk. Where's Krista? Hey, Krista. Uh, where's your mic gone? Has John, John got it? I stole her mic. Ah. She gave me. Yeah, there you go. You're going to need that. <laughs> Krista, Krista's a photographer, lives on the North Shore, uh, documents that scene with, a, I would say, a mix of dynamism and grace. Um, uh, and then we've got Tim Myers. Where's Tim? Tim in the house? Yeah. Um, Tim's an actual journalist. Um, he does stories of value um, based in LA, works for a lot of different networks, cameraman, documentarian. Um, what these guys have in common is travel and creativity, even though they all come from very different fields. 
Uh, so we're just going to have a little chat about that, really. We're going to be here for about 45 minutes an hour. Um, we've got a few questions we're going to go through. Um, and then we'll take some questions from everybody else. Um, so let's get going. So the first question, uh, we'll, we'll go in turn one by one. The trip that changed your life. Tim, let's go. The, I think the one that changed my life um, was around about 2014 and a couple of Australian mates and I went, uh, we, we cruised up to Alaska and a, we had a bush pilot fly us out onto a glacier in the middle of nowhere and we camped out there for 30 days, um, completely unsupported and self-propelled. So anything we wanted to ski, we had to climb and... And, yeah. and hike ourselves. Because you grew up skiing, you, you grew up in Australia, like I've, your, I've your granddad started a ski resort, right? Yeah, I've, I've got an Australian accent, but I, I, <laughs> I grew up in, the, in the, the one part of Australia that has snow. Yeah. So weirdly, I, can, I can't surf, but I can ski. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had it, my grandfather built one of the first ski resorts in Australia, so I yeah. grew up with that as a backyard, which is a very unique yeah. Aussie upbringing. And you just decided you and the boys to do this do this trip? Yeah, but it was basically, yeah, it was kind of on a, on a whim. Um, we were sort of filming it along the way and yeah. it, it, it was just, you know, we all kind of skied at, at a pretty, a relatively high level, I guess. Um, yeah. So we were looking for a bit of a challenge and it was just, the, the, once the pilot flew away, uh, we were there completely on our own. Um, just in the tents on the middle of the glacier floor. Yeah. And it was just, you know, waking up every morning to this unimaginable expanse of kind of nothingness and white and this, the scale of everything was just quite overwhelming. And it just kind of it sort of recalibrated my perspective on life. And funnily yeah. enough, we were all sort of, every one of us that was there, I guess we were sort of at an age where we were at a bit of a, a crossroads in our life. Yeah. So, and we all kind of had that trip and then made some kind of a big decision. I came home and quit my full-time work and went freelance right. and yeah so it, it it had had a big impact and it was one of the most amazing trips i think i've ever done yeah to this sounds day. like it so did you have a guide we we had someone who was experienced in guiding yeah um so yeah we had we had people there that knew what they were doing yeah everyone in the group sort of bought something to the table right i actually didn't bring all that much <laughs> but everyone else was well qualified yeah Sage, I'm guessing the trip that changed your life might also be a snow trip, perhaps. Yeah, definitely a snow trip. Um, yeah, thinking back, I think something that changed my life was springtime. Um, I was 14 years old, went to Mammoth Lakes, California, and was kind of trying to learn tricks on a snowboard to just, you know, get sponsors and just, yeah. you know, kind of continue the progression and when I was there, there was a there was a photo shoot every spring called Super Park. Yeah, and it was all the legendary. Yeah, yeah. Legendary it's the proving event. ground, isn't it? Basically. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, it's a proving ground. So yeah. I wanted to go to it. I had no invite. Right. I'm Fourteen. I wanted to go so bad. So I posted up in Mammoth, and the, and it was hosted by Snowboarder Mag. Yeah. So I wanted to go so bad. I was like trying to get in the inn. So every morning I'd wake up, I'd go to the resort, and I would just throw down all my hardest tricks I knew right. on the biggest jump in Mammoth. Yeah until uh pat bridges finally gave me the invite he's like hey man you've been riding really good right i'm like that's good because i've been you know i've been trying to do tricks in front of you the whole yeah, for like yeah. a week now because it's quite a thing isn't it people do in the american snowboard scene to go and do that because travis did that as well didn't he basically like turned up yeah get a snake a spot basically hope you'll get noticed so that was that the plan yeah take a take a trick out of his uh yeah. notebook right there yeah, so yeah. yeah very much so it's you know if you can get in front of people's eyes then yeah then uh and especially the right people, um, then you're off to the races. So I finally got the invite to Super Park. 
um, was tripping because people like Travis Rice were there. And yep. I was just idolizing them. So I was riding next to them. And um, I ended up throwing this. It was the first time I ever did a 1080 on yeah. this like 100 foot jump, which was way out of my league. Like I was, I was batting way out of my league at Super <laughs> Park. Like I'm either going home broken yep. or I'm, I'm getting something out of this. So um, the whole week I was just trying to throw down in front of everyone and ended up getting a checkout and snowboarder magazine out th after that. And like kind of got my sponsors were there and they were like noticing kind of yep. put me on the map. And that one kind of propelled me into where I was like, okay, I can, I can maybe do this, you know? And, yep. and uh, yeah, it was just kind of a lot of hard work and just dedication for like two weeks, you know, yep. being 14 and just basically telling myself like, I'm not leaving here unless like I'm going to, I'm going to do this for a living. You yeah. Know? Amazing. Krista. Because your journey, you know, you, Colorado grew up competitive swimmer and you've ended up living on the North Shore shooting. It's quite, I mean, what you guys have all got in common is the fact that and I think any career in these activities, you've got to travel a long way, metaphorically and literally, right? You know, you, it, it requires putting yourself out there. But that's a quite, that's not the usual route, is it? Colorado to the North Shore. So how did, so what was the, what was the trip that kind of kicked it off for you? I'm going to completely change my answer from what I originally thought. I think um, it wasn't necessarily a trip, but we moved when I was seven from Colorado to Delaware to be closer to family. Right. Um, and that was something that changed my life because I started swim team there on a summer swim team. And then um, we went to the beach all the time. Right. And so we were about a mile or so from the local beach and I just, I loved it. Anytime we could be in the water and we were there in the winter and my dad would always drag me around on boogie boards and the tide pools. And I loved having the water like close over me when I was like boogie boarding as a little kid. And so um, it's not necessarily a trip, but that got me into wanting to become a marine biologist and right. be around the ocean. And then ah, we so moved. Spark yeah, the interest, right? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And then um, we moved to Colorado again when I was 11 because, well, my dad wanted to get a like, just put a little distance with our family. Just, yeah. to, just he was like, okay, this has been really good, but we miss Colorado and we sure. want to go back. Yeah. So yeah, so that and I always love the oceans. How am I going to get in the water? Right. Like, now we're in Colorado. Yeah. What, what is this happened? And so I kept competitive swimming and I always wanted to like find a way to get back to the ocean. So that definitely changed things for me. Yeah. Yeah. Kappa, probably hard to choose. Done so many trips and also two kind of distinct parts to your career, right? You know, like there's a, a, a the caption on your industry is like reborn 2010, I think it is, right? You know, like. And when we've talked before, we talked about your competitive part of your career and then the, the, the later part of your career. So is the one trip that stands out that kind of that changed things for you? Yeah, you know, um, I would say more than a trip for us was a tool that changed our life, right? Because um, we were competing, you know, I was a competitor. I was doing okay, you know, I was making a living of it and, yeah. and knowing the world. And then suddenly we had uh, this uh, Google Earth uh, porn, no? Yeah, sure. <coughs> yeah, game and changer. Then, yeah, and then, and, then, and then we never thought about this, no? But we started to, to travel this map and, and find places 
and shores that we never imagined there could be like really, really like world-class waves. Yeah. And then, and then we saw a few videos. There was a, a lot of modern explorers starting to, to uh, document places on this way, no? So yeah. that definitely changed my life because I decided to make it, um, a solo trip for the first time. Sure. And, and go to places that I thought that they could be like really, really good waves yeah. by myself. Took my backpack, my surfboard. Yeah. And, and go to these places in Africa that, um, for me, the, mom, the, mom, the crucial moment was to buy the ticket and go to this place in Africa in the desert trying to find this wave. The moment that I bought the ticket was the biggest adventure because you don't know where, where you're going. No? Yeah. And then you get the, fl the flight and then you arrive to this place that you have to find the place, but you also have to find the people and, 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 you know, and, and the challenges on the way when you are by yourself. So that was definitely, that's why I said I'm, I was born in 2010 because yeah. that definitely it changed my life. On, this, on, on a surfer uh, career, but also on a personal. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And what were you looking for, like when when you when you study in these places? Like, obviously, is it a mixture of culture and the surfing? Because that's a key part of what you do, right? You try to immerse yourself in these communities. You're doing it in like a really sympathetic way. Um, you know, you're not just going there and like. And also, you've got responsibility because you're in, you're kind of introducing surfing to a lot of communities, and that's it's kind of a serious thing in a way. So. Do you try and balance these different factors when you choose a destination? You know what, what pushes me more is um, like ev every wave in every, in, in every shore, in every point has a different energy. Yeah. And I really, I, I, I'm very curious of what kind of energy you feel in every place or, or, uh, that you go, no? But definitely like all the people and, and all the cultures that I found on the way is what enriches me, no? Yeah. Uh, I know it's a very delicate question eh? because you uh, introduce surfing to some places and yeah. that can change the, the, the whole thing on the place, no? But I also think that in these places you are very welcomed. In some of the places you are very welcomed. Yeah. And also think that they have the resources that are the waves, no? And, 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 and to introduce them to get as simple as, you know, as, as catching a wave and enjoying the wave, it's, it's a great thing, no? So there's always... Always a, a balance there. Yeah, no? a lot of factors to consider, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, well, the next question, Sage, you kind of alluded to it earlier, um, is the trip that made you think, like, I can do this for a living. You know, this, is, this, this could be a job, like, you know. Yeah. And I, what I'm interested with you, Sage, is because you obviously had a bit of a plan. You know, you're thinking, like, right, I'm going to go there. That can, like, kickstart me in the industry. That can give me a career. But then even then, after that, you've still got... That's just the beginning, right? You know, you've got to keep proving yourself. You've got to like. So, was there a trip where you thought, "Yeah, okay, this this is the path. Like, this is what I can do." Like, maybe like the first filming trip, or you know, like. Yeah, totally. I think it was two years later after that. You know, got a little notoriety from Super Park, and yeah. was definitely using that momentum like everywhere I went. You know, trying to trying to just level up on my own snowboarding and. Um, getting to visit new places and and meet new people there, and it just started expanding my whole world, and I yeah. just became so addicted to it. And uh, I think it was two years later. I was 16, and I was at a Dew Tour, and you know all my favorite snowboarders there again. But this is a competition, yeah. And I thought if I could just make it to the finals, you know, maybe that could that could jumpstart me again, you know. So I went back into that mindset, like, okay, I'm gonna make it to the 
to the semifinals first because I had to start way back at qualifiers. You yeah, know? sure. And so I, I made it to semifinals and then I made it to finals. And then after that, I ended up getting second at that one. And, you know, I started looking at the results list and, you know, my favorite snowboarders were some of them were, you know, on fourth or fifth, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, like, what does this mean? Yeah. You know, I'm like, is this, I'm here, but I think you're never truly there, you know, like that was one. And then you keep that momentum going, you go somewhere else. And yeah. And I went down that competitive way so much and um, it took me all the way to the Olympics, which I ended up winning. Yeah. And that was kind of the, the peak of my competing. And that was like one part of my career where I was like, okay, I think I, I made it in this. And I wanted to go back to ground zero. Again. You started again. Yeah. And basically. So, yeah. So I wanted to go and explore backcountry snowboarding yeah. is something I was really, really into and had my foot in the door from being in Utah. I mean, it's so so much good snowboarding there. Yeah. But I really wanted to just leave contests and see what that had to offer. So it took me back. I definitely went back to being in that mentality again where I wasn't, you know, the number one guy or the number 10 guy. I was pretty down the pecking order. And yeah. it was it was very humbling. You just, you go back into a mindset where like, okay, I got to make it again or, or see or just see where this goes. And, um, you know, I, I went to Whistler for a couple months and basically – you know, I felt like I was Luke Skywalker or something, like learning from all the pros yeah. in the backcountry and, and the snow science well, it's side of it. It's a tough crowd, isn't it? Yeah. You know I mean? You've got, you got to show up. you got to earn it. Yeah, you got to earn it right. you got to show up for sure. And there's a yeah. lot of, you can't just show up to the backcountry and, uh, yeah, you're like, oh, I know all these tricks. You know, that doesn't really matter in yeah. the backcountry. you got to learn how to get out there and safe traveling and, and avalanche conditions and how to read the snow and, and all this, this different stuff. And I just, again, fell so in love with that. And, uh, that was the season where like my, I feel like my whole life changed. It's like, okay, whether I go back and make it to the top again or not, yeah. I, I want to snowboard and ride and ride powder the rest of my life. And I was so addicted to that. So that, that winter staying in, in Canada was just something that I'll never forget. It was in 2017. Yeah. And was that also part of the plan? Like to do that, like to have the, again, like, like I mentioned with Kappa, like to almost have these two stages, like the, comp, the competitive in the backcountry. Cause obviously in snowboarding, it's the classic route, isn't it? You know, like right. pe people make that, make a name in, in competition, but really everyone wants to sort of be that backcountry film. Yeah, you, you make the name in competition so you can go. So you can go and do that. You, so you can get yeah. the platform to do that, yeah. right? You know, so you can get the backing. Was, did, was that always a route you wanted to follow? It was in there. Like I definitely wanted to do it. And, and the Olympics kind of jumpstarted me, you know, after that. I, I just, you know, once I do something, I'm just the type of person that moves on to something else and tries to, tries to find another avenue to, to find that drive or that passion or whatever's behind it. It's, yeah. I get bored pretty easily. You know, I just want to, I always want to see what else is out there. So for me, it was, it was always underlying. And I just told myself I'd, I would just continue that path whenever it felt right. And, yeah. and after the Olympics, you know, it was for me, I was like, I'm not going to go back and, and go again. It just like, it just wasn't in my nature, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you've done it. You've been there. Yeah, and yeah. some people like to go back and do it 10 times. Yeah. Um, and in some aspects, I am like that, and some I just want to go explore another avenue, you know? Yeah, so yeah. I think it's the beauty of, of uh, you know, for me, snowboarding or some other avenues of, of just seeing what else is out there. Yeah. And you don't, it's not a linear way anywhere. You can end up going right, left, diagonal up, and it'll lead you to some of the most amazing places and experiences that you've ever done. Yeah. Tim, we were talking when, when we were sort of prepping for this about this question, you know, when you kind of thought, 
all right, this is, this is a career. Like I can do this. Because your route, again, is quite unusual, isn't it? You know, you kind of made a name in ski, like running contests, like filming contests, like kind of getting to a particular point. But then you've made this like quite abrupt change. And you talk about this trip to Indo, right? That was like a re really formative career sort of crossroads almost. Sort of. I mean, when you say you've made a name in skiing, to put it into perspective, it's like skiing in Australia. Yeah. It's kind of a, the equivalent of like... Big fish, a, small pond. It's like, it's like the UK. It's, it's, like, like, yeah. it's like John. Yeah. It's like being a Jamaican bobsledder. It's not... <laughs> you know, like name, a, you know, another really successful, you know, Aussie winter sports guy. Well, we've got Scotty James at the moment, who we're extremely right. proud of. Um, but I, I was nowhere near that level. And yeah. I never... I never thought that I was going to be at that level. So right. I, I did my expectations of myself were tempered. And so you always, had, you always had another, like you're always aware that there was something else that you would probably end up doing. I, yeah, I suppose so. Well, my, my mum, she's from like the education industry. So before I had, could make any decision, she was like, you're going to university no matter yeah. what. Um, and I, I did. I, I ended up sort of doing the one course that I had a, 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 an entry mark high enough to get into, which was a film and television course in a regional university in, in right. Wagga Wagga. Um, and I was, I, was, I was doing that for uh, a couple of years. I mean, that, I guess that was sort of a plan, but like all good plans, it, 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 I didn't follow it through. I ended up dropping out because right. I, I, I accidentally bullshitted my way into a job in the television industry before I finished. Well, you're going to have to explain a bit more about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was um, one of the ski resorts. I was, I was skiing in front of the camera as an athlete. Yeah. And at that time, the, the cameraman, um, who was a very, he's a very revered Australian cinematographer, uh, randomly got taken out by a snowboarder at the end of production. Got to watch them snowboarders. Really got to look, watch out for those guys. Looking sideways, not forwards. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wrong crowd. <laughs> Uh, and immediately the, the production crew was like, well, we've got still got six weeks left. Where are we going to find a yeah. cameraman who can ski in Australia? And I'd, I'd done like half of this course and I just kind of lied and said, yep, I've got my degree. I'm qualified. Right. And they, they didn't even hesitate. They gave me the job there and then right. I had to take the camera home. And kind of, it was, I've never shot on that format before. It was an old beta SP format. I learned how to use it kind of overnight and kind of, you know, flummoxed my way through the rest of the season. But that, that resort was actually owned by a big Australian media mogul um, who also owned uh, a large television network. Right. And then when I kind of sort of bluffed my way from the resort into the television network, um, yeah, one of the, the, the trip that we were talking about the other day was, it wasn't so much, um, you know, I can, I can do this as a career. It was more like, wait, this is even a thing. This is, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, people do this. Like, I, I actually wasn't, and for that job, I wasn't a cameraman. I was a, I was a satellite technician. Right. Um, which is something completely different. Basically, when there was a, it's a little bit different nowadays because technology has evolved. But back then, when a, a breaking news event or some you know world event would happen, it would be our job to go there with a you know whole lot of gear, um, schlep it on a commercial flight, establish a, 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 a live link via satellite. Um, and be kind of the first to get, you know, live pictures out. Sure. And I was, I was called into the chief of staff's office and they, they said, look, can you be on a flight to, to Denpasar in about four or five hours? I was like, yep, no worries. They yeah, cancelled a birthday dinner or something, right. as you do along the way when you're travelling. Yeah, you know, yeah. These social events fall by the wayside. Um, and he sort of said, Here's a, he handed me an envelope full of, it was about five grand of like crisp US 
$100 bills. Right. I was like, what's this for? And he's like, you, we haven't had time to prepare all the import documentation for all the about 200 grand's worth of satellite kit that we're traveling with. You're going to need to bribe your way through Indonesian customs right. when you get there. Classic. <laughs> I didn't know if they were having me on. Because um, they don't mind that in Indo. Apparently, yeah. Um, and then the next thing I knew, I was, I was in the back room of the customs hall in Denpasar Airport, right. face-to-face with the customs official who had an incredibly impressive moustache from the 80s. Right. And he was sort of, he was, he was basically naming his price. He started at about $40,000. Wow. And, um, and I, I knew my, my limit that they'd given me. And the, one of the senior guys had said, look, you can haggle with these guys. It's fine. So I, I was really proud. I talked him down to about 1000 bucks, right. And then I was about to hand it to him. And then his colleague came in the room and he's like, no, no, no. 2000 like, no worries and yeah. got out of there and i was just thinking this is wild like and it's it, this wasn't just kind of a, a loose sort of operation it was you know a very prominent australian um network yeah and i'm like i was just like this yeah i, I, I want more of this yeah that's how they if do I can, it right yeah this is this is fun it's wild yeah yeah i'm enjoying the travel and and yeah i, I, I made a good go of it after that yeah so Kepa, like when you know when we're talking about this second part of your career, you know when you've done, you've you've decided this is what you're going to do. I imagine it was still quite a struggle because like, like that, um, that's like a classic sort of surf professional surf career, but more back in the day, right? Like when you kind of started doing it, it wasn't really like that. Much, I imagine like like it's like you can go to your sponsors and be like, hey everyone, I'm just going to go travel around Africa for like months, you know. Yeah, again, like we're talking about what you said, you kind of got to earn the right. You got to, you got to get there, right? You got to sort of prove that it's got value. So was the one trip in this early stage that, that kind of made you think that you perhaps could have it as an actual career, you know, to get paid to do it, to like have the freedom to do it? Well, I think that, um, that moment when I, when I discovered the Google Earth and I started to travel into, like mentally traveling to these places, yeah. then I... I present a project to my sponsors that I wanted to, to make a solo trip around the world. And then at that time, there was uh, the word selfie didn't even exist. So, and I was going <laughs> to... The pre-selfie era. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> and, and at that time, I was presenting a project that I was going to do by myself. No? And, yeah. and, and the sponsor would say, this is a beautiful story, but why would we pay something that it's not going to be properly documented no? or, or it's not going to be documented? And honestly, I didn't have an answer for that. No? Right. So, so at, that, at that time, I decided to do it with my little money that I asked uh, my dad and mom to leave me some money to do that trip. Right. And I was in the desert in, in Namibia, and I spent a lot of days and nights. And there was a beautiful wave there. So I started documenting with a tripod uh, and the camera. Yeah. I started documenting myself crossing through the, through the camera and starting to... Also tell my thoughts, no? because in the desert you think a lot about, about a lot of things. No? And then I had a little bit of internet line, so I decided to edit a little video of uh, three minutes. At that time, the, the social media, Facebook and all this was growing too. Yeah. So at that night, uh, I uploaded a little video on Facebook, and next morning there was thousands and thousands of, of people that was watching the, the video, and I was still sleeping in the car in the desert, no? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So I was like, this is amazing, no? So this is a, a beautiful uh, personal um, uh, living story, but it's also something that you can share with the people and maybe make a living of it, no? Yeah. As, as many of us, uh, we've been uh, very um, 
inspired by by some books that they, they told us a lot of stories. Now yeah. we have the opportunity with the new technologies to to say the people what we are doing in beautiful stories. No? So when I came back uh, after eight months traveling solo, I presented another another project going to Alaska and then to Antarctica to my sponsors, and then they said, okay, we're we're supporting this, and and it's been now. 12, 12 years doing this, and I'm humbly very happy of doing of seeing what I've, I've been doing. And still, still a lot of things to come. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, amazing. I like the way you're like, oh, okay, Antarctica next. <laughs> um, Krista, how about you? Like, was there something that because you again because you went to Coast Guard school, right? Um, so again, this is like another sort of step on the path before you end up doing doing what you yeah. what you're doing. So like, how how did this unfold? Was there a point where Again, you you sort of thought, okay, this this is a new route for me. This could be a potential new way to kind of live and travel. There was. I had been out of the Coast Guard for a little less than a year. Yeah. Um, this was 2018. So I'd been um, doing photography part-time while I was in the Coast Guard. And then I just shifted to full-time. And I was at a friend's house. Um, having dinner and I finally met this couple that I'd heard about, Scott and Melissa. And I'd heard so much about them because they had a boat that they lived on the majority of the year in Tahiti. And so they'd sail around the islands and then they'd come back to the North Shore for a few months and then they'd go back to Tahiti. And I met them and they were talking to me about, oh, you're a photographer, you should come stay on our boat. And I was going, oh yeah, I'll totally come. That would be amazing. And then in my head, it's like, it's one of those things that you agree to, and then you're going, I'm 90% sure I probably won't do that. Right. And so I was, I was just thinking that summer, and I'd had money that I'd like, especially squirreled away from working in the Coast Guard and having a paycheck paycheck. Yeah. Um, and so I just went, you know what? Actually, I should take them up on that offer. I'm not doing that work anymore, and I would love to get um, photos from there in my portfolio. And if it just ends up being a trip where I just get stuff from my portfolio, that's fine. And so I ended up, um, I went out and saw him and I was originally supposed to stay for a week. Um, and I had my surf housing and my dive housing and we got amazing diving conditions. And they said they were going out to a remote island that you can't get to unless you have a certain wind pattern, and that wind pattern came up. And so we got to go out to that island, and it's, um, it was just, it was so wild and different. And it was the first trip where I was shooting every single day, multiple times a day, and I loved it. And I would be so excited to go, like, get the photos on the computer at night and even stay up late and then wake up early because I was just so... You were fired up. ...in it. And um, that was one that just, I went, I can do this. This is really what I want to do. This is like a nail in the coffin. Like, and I wasn't not all in before, but that really like, kind of like lit the fire a little bit more too. And um, it ended up being a piece in Hawaii Skin Diver magazine. And that was a magazine that I loved reading before that. And so that was, that was huge for me just because it was like, all right, this is, wow, this actually went somewhere. Yeah. Okay, we're doing it. So where did the interest in photography come from? Like what sparked that? Um, I actually, so I uh, loved National Geographic. 
right. when I was a kid. And um, the library had used copies from the 60s and 70s, and I'd get them when I was, and I just loved looking at the pictures. And I kind of, it was just, I liked it. Um, that was a terrible response, sorry. Let me gather my thoughts real quick. Um, and so in eighth grade, I had a computer teacher. I got ahead in this computer class. Right. And I said, you know what? Um, or I didn't say anything. Wow, I'm really just special right now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> like, anyways, eighth grade computer teacher, she goes, you know, you're ahead. Do you want to try Photoshop and um, borrow my camera as right. well? And so she loaned me her camera and taught me about Photoshop, and that got me into it. And then once I really got going with it, and my dad knew I, it wasn't going to be a passing fad hobby, um, he got me a used camera. And right. so that all kind of, that's where it all started was actually um, when I was 13. Yeah. And then you ended up all connecting it together, the ocean, like the travel, the photography, the interests. Yeah, and it's, really, it's just interesting, like, how there's been these little things that have sparked these different directions of thinking. You know, there's no, like, grand plan. I think that's... Sounds like perhaps you had a bit more of a concrete plan, Sage, you know, like a bit of an idea about how it might work based upon the industry. But I think for the rest of you guys, there's, like, quite a lot of serendipity involved, right? There's quite a lot of, you know, okay, well, maybe this is a path. Maybe this is a route. Maybe this trip might lead somewhere, which, again, Tim, we were saying this. It's kind of how it happens, isn't it? You know, this, this sort of the way the way these careers unfold a little bit, isn't it? Absolutely. Well, I think there's like levels of serendipity, and then there's Kepa, who I think just throws a dartboard at a Google Maps, <laughs> and that's just a whole other level, and it's amazing. Um, so, next question: um, the trip you want to do next, the play, you know, like the, the the one you really want to do, the, the place you really want to go to that you've not managed to yet, Kepa. Like we were talking, you've got one coming up, right? In in, in sort of three weeks you're off to back to africa yeah you know like every like every country i go especially in africa those those lines they travel in through the countries no so i always think how is this this line gonna break on the next country on the next point no yeah so that's what pushes me to to a lot of these trips and now i'm thinking i don't know if i should say this because there's another three persons coming with me in the trip but we're going uh, to the area of Liberia and maybe farther away, and we we checked a few places in in the Google Earth that we think hopefully that there's really like really really good waves. Yeah. And but we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> and you just you one way right one way ticket. What's that? You've got you've yeah. got yeah you've not booked to return. Yeah, we like we we bought the flights and we don't know when we're coming back, uh, depending on the swell, on the wind, you know, in in all these things, no and. We do a lot of mistakes. Sometimes we don't find the waves, no. But but we always keep the hope. So that's, that's the way we're going. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Sage? Have you got? Do you, are you planning this? Because obviously you've got kind of got a schedule as well, right? With filming and like you know the the kind of way that your season's going to unfold. But how many kind of sort of dream trips do you give yourself where you can just go ride and just just purely about the travel? Right. I mean, it's so easy to get caught up and going to the same places. And, yeah, because there's a circuit yeah. a little bit, isn't there? Yeah, you know? like, in, I mean, we have the backcountry tour now, natural selection, so yeah. those are like a defined place. You know where some good backcountry zones are, this and that, but um, yeah, I mean, kind of like what Tim was saying earlier, I wouldn't mind just going off to Alaska and doing the, you want to do it again? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like you know the roads. No, um, yeah, doing a more expedition style trip um, is definitely on my list. Um, definitely getting into that side of snowboarding more is, 
I kind of continue down the path of, you know, backcountry snowboarding, there's big mountain, and then there's, you know, expedition and mountaineering. And, um, yeah, it's something that I'm not totally in love with at the moment, but I've, I've gotten a little taste of it. We got to go to Alaska and camp for four days on the glacier for the last national selection event. Yeah. Which How was, was that? All, it was all time. It looked, um, it looked crazy. It was cool. We had, we had a cool vibe there. Um, we were obviously there for a competition, which was funny because we're all sharing tents and eating in the same spot and yeah. looking at the, we camped right underneath the face we were going to be riding. So you had this weird camaraderie where we all wanted to ask each other what lines we saw just, you know, for safety almost like, you think this one works out? But then you're also asking the people you're competing with and then you're like, think that works out? And they go, yeah, for sure. And you're like, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Are you messing with me? So it was, it was really special. That definitely got me into the vibe of maybe going and, and doing like a split board mountaineering style trip. Sure. Um, somewhere in Alaska would be cool. Or, um, I know there's some really cool hut trips down in New Zealand or Chile and yeah. things like that are becoming more and more interesting to me. And, uh, especially if you get down to South America, I mean, going down to Patagonia or something is, it's not exactly on my list right now, but doing something yeah. long-term down there, I think would be, uh, it's, I think it'll be crawling up my list in the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, like a lot, it seems like a lot of the travel that you do is, is, is obviously based upon where the story is, right? You know, so you're, you're kind of, is it for you, like you're, you're being sent places effectively or you're also finding stories to pitch? Like, is it a bit of a mix? It, it's, it leans heavier to, I get sent places. Right. So as a, the kind of cinematography I do for, you know, mostly sort of documentaries, human interest, uh, it's usually reactive to to world events or a certain situation or a certain political um, happening somewhere in the world. So yeah, I'm, I'm generally getting sent somewhere. Yeah. Um, that aside, where, where where's on the bucket list? Well, the, the 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 next one, which is probably it's pretty boring for your audience, but in a couple of days, my fiance and I were tripping up to Bordeaux to check out some wine country. Uh, that is legit in my book. Yeah, but I mean, the reason for that is uh, we. Because when I'm working, like I can't tell you how many flights I've, you know, taken in the last three months. Uh, and when I am doing that, I'm carting, you know, two trolleys worth of stuff through an airport. So to get, and I've very rarely travelled as a almost as a tourist. Yeah. Um, like my whole career was usually travelling for skiing and then for work and then. So now when I get the chance to go somewhere and only have one bag, I was going to say because like on, such on, a luxury. on the film that's just come out, like the there's like ten bags, right? You know, your average. Your average, average kind of 10, yeah, it could be more, could be less. Yeah, I mean, and you know what? On on the way here as well, my uh, Air France lost my lost my bag. Yeah, and there was a part of my brain where I was like, I was actually relieved because <laughs> I, I got oh, to well, walk through to do that again. I got to walk through an airport carrying nothing, and it was I don't know what to do with my hands. It was yeah. it was a beautiful moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to say when I saw that, like the, the amount of organisation that's involved in logistics, because you're a one man band as well, essentially, right? You just you just kind of you, uh, you you you, you producing, you filming, you kind of a lot of the time. Every trip is different, but it's becoming because everyone's budget is tightening. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of demand for someone like me who who will shoot a bit, who will produce, who can edit, who can do sound. Um, but there's also times as well, like I guess the larger production, you'll be like, and I'll still travel with, you know, a crew that's, you know, 10 strong and then other times it's half that and then other times it's just be, me by myself. Yeah. yeah. Krista, you're, you know, you, I imagine you've got quite a routine with, with the word. Is it, is it quite similar to Sage? There's like, 
there's events that you might or sessions that you might want to cover you know when people are going to be in town you know so that almost like gives the framework of the year but how much freedom do you have to to kind of take off and and shoot something just for the pure joy of the, the experience of travel i have a decent amount of freedom i try to stay though um on the north shore early season through even late season um which can run from anywhere from like October to April. Um, sometimes it just depends on the year. Yeah. And so I try to stay if we have waves. Um, and then, so that kind of leaves the rest of the year for other trips and other jobs. And the summers are kind of when I get like chunks of time to maybe go visit family and that kind of a thing. Um, I think, yeah. So is that? Yeah. I mean, is there anywhere? you know, fantasy destination that you, that you kind of really want to check out? Yeah, I, um, I want to go to New Zealand. My husband has to wrap up in the Coast Guard. He started when he was 17, and he's been in for 18 years now, and yeah. so he's got two years. And then once he's retired, um, we can just hop on a Mac flight, and then we, you know, figure out what day we want to return and kind of... I don't know. You don't really get return dates. You kind of just go with when there's openings on those flights. Right. And so that's kind of fun, too, because it might extend the trip longer. And so I think we're going to go for a fair amount of time and then maybe get a trip extension or something. Right. But that's something I'm looking forward to putting together and going there and exploring for a bit. You kind of need that sort of open-ended deadline for a place like that. It's just so much to see, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. And then... My husband, too, he hasn't gone on, like, any long trips. He just, he's done so many work trips that there's, right. he's just, like, I'm just done traveling. Like, so just to be, like, he's interested in going and doing something like that. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're into that? Okay, we'll go together. So yeah, yeah. we're excited. Yeah. Um, okay, next question. You know, you've all got these pretty enviable positions that you've created for yourselves with, with from, from the, the, the approach the stories that we've been hearing tonight what advice have you got for people that that might be listening to this and think i wouldn't mind a bit of that you know i wouldn't mind trying to do something like that or maybe people that like have ambitions to be surf photographers or professional snowboarders or travel with surfing or be journalists sage what you know you've obviously had it well, it sounds like it's been pretty focused from day one since you were a kid like wh what have you learned that could help people that follow your path yeah, I mean, definitely as a kid, I was uh, I was always pretty focused on the task at hand. I don't know if it was just how I grew up or what, but I would tape goals to my mom and dad's fridge, and I would just check them off, and I'd put a new one on, and whether it's like snowboard tricks or whatever it was. So um, I guess to, to make it a little bit niche, if I can just go into like, you know, if you're trying to make it in snowboarding or maybe if it's surfing or action sports, um, I think the one thing that helped me was like focusing on myself and right. what, I, what I wanted to go do and uh, you're not getting caught up with, you know, some, some other person's like maybe learned a new trick or has gotten invited to a new place. You can use that as motivation, but really focus on yourself. Like maybe it's not your time yet, you know? And uh, I think when you push things too hard, um, that's when injuries happen. And I've always tried to really pay attention to myself. And if I'm ready for that task at hand, and it's, it's worked really well for me. And I think um, it's, it's pretty easy getting caught up with, uh, with what other people are doing. And I think for kids nowadays on social media, I can watch some kids snowboarding in 
Switzerland or Japan or wherever, and it's pretty easy to get caught up in what they're doing if they're learning a new trick or if they're filming somewhere. And uh, you get caught up in that. And you're almost you're almost living with what they're doing. Okay, I wonder what they're doing today. And I don't I don't think that helps you pursue your own dream, whether it's a become a pro snowboarder or whatever it is, you get caught up in other people's lives. I think it's good to take note, Yeah. but really hone in on yourself and what, what do you want to do and how do you want to perceive yourself and, and what goals do you want to go attain and, and uh, really just put yourself first and put yourself in, uh, in your own little world. And uh, yeah, it, it's worked for me really well. And especially with competing and going into filming, um, you know, really making sure that I'm doing what I I'm feeling good about. Yeah. And, uh, I think I, that goes for learning tricks to like your daily travel for me in the backcountry. If I'm not feeling super well about where we're going, like I need to, I need to look back and like, Hey, like focus on what we're doing today. Yeah. Like, are we going to the right spot? Are we, are we trying to get this clip because we saw another rider have an excellent day and we're like, Hey, we got to go, we got to go get shots today because it's already March and we don't have much. And sure. Um, I think it just applies to a lot of life of just like really honing in on yourself and focusing up and yeah, making goals for yourself if you want. And uh, they yeah. can be super loose. Like sometimes the looser they are, the more fun you're like, I'm going to see where this goal takes me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's easy said than done though. Right. Yeah. It takes self-discipline. Yeah. For sure. Is that um, something you've always, it sounds like you've had it since you were a kid. Like have you had, do you have, do you have moments where it it's trickier? You know? For sure. I mean, it's easy to say like, yeah, I was goal oriented and ticked off the boxes. But when you're there day in, day out, it's, you know, if whether it's learning a trick, um, sometimes they don't come easy, you know? Yeah. But uh, I think those experiences, like those trials, like they make you into what you really want to be. If you're going down this route and you're like, this goal isn't working for me, you can't keep pushing it. You know, it's like I was saying, like, you got to go day by day. Yeah. If, like, if today's not the day for writing that one line, then, Hey, like, let's scratch that. You know, we got to go a different way. And sometimes that leads you to a better place. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it's obviously amazing advice, but I might, I might start trying to do a bit more of that myself. Yeah. It is hard, especially yeah. with social media, like you say, especially when you're seeing people seemingly like achieve all the time. And yeah. It's easy nowadays to everyone looks like they're doing better and you're like, how are these people doing yeah. so much? And and you got to realize everyone's going to put out their best self on social media. They're not showing you always what's going into that. Yeah. And uh, if you can make it fun, if you have like a group of shredders or anyone else to reach out to and have them kind of come into it with you, I think uh, the group mindset is pretty cool on that. And yeah, you yeah. Can, you can really, you can really get into some, some uh, pretty progressive and and really rad areas in that uh, in that aspect. Yeah. I mean, Kappa, what what you do is obviously really particular so like it's probably not something you're going to be like yeah like you could do this like you've really created that role for yourself but what have you learned along the way that could in the same way that sage was describing could help people that are trying to find a similar purpose that you found well me as as uh, documenting and, and surfing around the world you you took some of the of my answers so <laughs> but um i would say uh, be be true to yourself, no sub, sub, uh, sub, uh, subjectivity, no subjectivity. Been been uh, doing your thing because these days, um, I think, and especially the kids, I saw so many people with a lot of talent on on storytelling and surfing, 
and, and these days with the social media, no, there's a lot of people, um, uh, you know, like having an opinion on you, and and that hurts a lot, eh, on, on yeah. the social media. And, and many people that has a lot of talent, but maybe is not being able to 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 keep going, no, because it's so much pressure on social media, and, and in a small. Um, portion or, or big portion when you have success that happens all the time no? so I think it's it's very important to be true to yourself and be sure of what you're doing it's well done yeah and and then and then that's that then naturally will come like we are here with with DB it came naturally to me as a traveler no yeah and then things keep going if you if you if you really be, be yourself no that's that's what i uh, that's my my advice to, yeah, to yeah. people doing this no very exposed and documenting no? yeah yeah tim we we were talking about the importance of uh asking for for advice for for asking questions finding people that that you can approach it sounds like that was something that you employed a fa- have employed a fair amount in your career you know it's something i still do now today ask questions of the guys already doing it that have more experience than you you know it's a it's a it's essentially a creative industry, you know, built on a bit of techno- technology. Um, so no one ever knows it all. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's absolutely fine to lean on those guys, not even older guys, like, you know, younger guys are coming up with new ways to, to, to do things differently, to, you know, tweak the kit to get the most out of it. Um, and then I think if you, if you can't find someone to give you the answers, it's fine to make it up, which is what I did at the start anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. What? It worked for you, did it? It, it has, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it could be an accident. I think it's, it's interesting with every kind of one of these creative, uh, whether it's like photography or, or filmmaking, especially if you're, you're freelance or a, a contractor, um, you never really feel like you're, you might not ever feel like you're, you're nailing it. Or I mean, well, I feel like that. I don't know, maybe, Christy, you're the same as well. Like, I kind of feel like I'm just kind of making it up as I go along. I, I don't know if my if people appreciate the work that I'm doing or sure, like or, imposter syndrome, kind of. Exactly. Yeah, kind of, I feel like a fraud. I think day, everyone in the world it. has it though, don't they? Yeah. You know, everyone has that. I mean, is that the world you're in, Krista? It's it's, it's it's a lot of codes. There's a lot of there's a lot of big personalities. I imagine you know, like it. That must be hard to navigate, right? It can be. You you just have to be patient with it, and that kind of. That actually ties into my answer to that question is, um, especially since I I went into the surf industry not knowing anyone. I right. didn't have connections. I didn't have family connections. And a lot of people that you meet in that industry, because it's so small, yeah. it's all very connected. And so going into it, it was like, I had to be very fearless in my approach with putting my work out there and not being afraid to have people tell me no. Right. Um, and I got that advice from a journalism teacher that I had in high school. He got upset with me because I didn't apply for a project. and Because he, you were fa- scared of failing. Yeah, because right. basically that was, that was it. And he was like, you didn't even give yourself the opportunity to succeed. And so I've kind of, I've taken that advice and gone with it in life and sometimes it's it's hard to get those no's because you you put together a project that you're like you're excited about yeah like, yeah someone's i think someone's gonna really bite off on this and then you put the time in and then you just get no 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 
that's a little too cerebral for us. No, and you're just like, oh, tits, like really thought this would be a thing. And so you just kind of got to take lessons from those and then put them into what you're doing um, with pitching more and pitching other things and applying for awards and sending your stuff to magazines and brands. And it can get kind of exhausting, but if you're really all into what you want to do, you kind of just, it's okay. Like, and there's so many, I don't know, I feel like I spent a lot of time in the Coast Guard. You're tired constantly. You're not <laughs> sleeping. Right. Like, that's one thing you're not doing is sleeping and you're working tired and you could just feel like absolute shit and you kind of just you go through it. And so it's like, I don't know, a lot of the stuff with photography, I feel like that really prepared me for just um, getting tired with photography and going on trips and being tired during trips is nothing compared to those jobs. Because it was like, I if I fucked up, basically, people could die. Yeah. That was, and not to be like overly dramatic, yeah, but yeah. legitimately, you have people's lives in your hands. And so if I mess up in my job, I'm Unless it's um, affecting the athlete, but if I have a screw up or you know something, oh no, someone didn't pick my pitch. It's not life ending for anybody, you know. Yeah. So um, that's just something I've really learned to appreciate is just going, okay, put your work out there. Maybe you'll get a yes. Maybe you'll get that opportunity. I think it stops a lot of people though who've got creative ambitions, doesn't it? You know, like because they're just worried they're going to get rejected. And like you say, I think what's interesting about what you're saying is that is actually having a creative career you get rejected it is the deal you yeah. know like it doesn't matter how experienced you are it doesn't matter how good you think you are you're gonna get knocked back like and you have to understand that and not take it personally and it is really hard for people because there's a lot of ego involved isn't there when you're putting yourself out there creatively you know you you kind of putting a bit of yourself out there and it's scary isn't it for people basically yeah how are we doing for time Wow, 55 minutes. Should we do some questions? Anyone got any questions? Come on. He's gonna have to put it on the he's gonna have to put it on the mic if he does. Yeah. Is it, hot, is it hot enough for you? <laughs> Not in front of this fan. That fan helped, definitely. Um, any more? Anyone? Best surf trip ever for Kepa. I don't know. It's a, it's a hard one, eh? but it, it, I don't know. I, I, I shouldn't say the place. <laughs> I shouldn't say the place, but uh, yeah, there was a very special place where I slept one night. Uh, one of those places that in the Google Earth. I thought that there could waves, there could be waves. That afternoon, never the waves never came, and then I slept there just in case. And next morning, I saw at nighttime, I, I could see this wave speeding like all the way, like for three kilometers, one, two, three, four, six barrels, seven barrels, and that, that yeah, was sounds, it. like after sounds, after the first wave, I I, yeah. I I I couldn't even remember my name. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That was you this. That was you this morning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here we yeah. served this morning. Yeah. yeah, that was good. But then there was a lot of failures too, like a lot, a lot. So yeah. we're getting closer every time we travel. Yeah. Um, 
Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for sharing your stories and insights. Um, I want to... Did you, did you guys hitch like 200K to be here? Wow. That is quite an effort. Yeah. I'm not taking the credit for that. I think it was probably... Uh, um, yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks, everyone. Great, great, great questions, thank you. Matt. Yeah, thank you. thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Matt. So there you go. That was my special Hossegor bonus episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. Normal service will resume next week. So in the meantime, thanks for listening, and I'll leave you with a big, nice one.